Seven topics, two minutes on each, or at least that's the idea. We will start with the Phillies Mile mix-up, in which two horses trained by Aidan O'Brien were equipped with the wrong tack and were ridden by the wrong jockeys and called the wrong Phillies during the race. One finished third, one finished eighth. So there were betting implications as well. Aidan has simply held his hands up and said, my British base team made a mistake. There's no excuse for it. He's, you know, full disclosure. Yeah, I mean, well, there's, there's nothing else that one can say in, in that regard. It's simply human error. Mm. Um, it doesn't happen very often. It's something that, that will happen the more often that, that stables have multiple runners in races. And if, if that's not the prize for stating the bleeding obvious, what I mean is that it happens more and more these days because particularly in, in Ballydoyle, horses are, there are lots of sons of Galileo and others who are going to be saddled for those races. So um, it's, it's human error. Uh, people will think I'm, I'm defending the indefensible in a sense, but that's just what happens with human beings. Go on, sorry. Yeah, here's the, the salient question. Is there a fail-safe that could stop this happening? So the point is this. The horses are microchip tested now as they leave the stable yard as a response to what happened a couple of years ago by the yeah. BHA, and that's supposed to be the fail-safe. But the point is that's before they have any tack yeah, on yeah. them and before the jockeys have weighed the, out. The, this is, the, there is a way to avoid it. Mm. Um, that is that the, the horses are... Uh, they are checked twice with chips when they uh, arrive at the race course and then, as you say, later on, but not before the saddles. It, I, I was talking to a BHA representative who said that the second check varies uh, often as a, according to the, the layout of the race course. But there is a way of doing that. You have the second check as they come into mm. the paddock. Beep, Betty's boy, number eight. Or say, beep, Betty's boy, oh, no, that's not Betty's boy. That's my leisure surprise. All mm. oh, right. Well, we've got we've got a mix up here. It, it can be done, and in fact, without spending any extra dough, because I think you can just make the second test a little bit later. Big props, as young people stopped saying about ten years ago, uh, to Paddy McGee, who spotted this on Twitter. Yes. Uh, his namesake, Jack McGee, the uh, the journalist from The Incredible Hulk, would have been uh, very proud of that spot. Let's move on to Tattersall's book one. And money was made, there's no doubt about that, at the very top end. The top lot was 3.4 million guineas. And no surprise that that top lot was the full sister to Japan and Mogul out of Shastai, who's been such a golden goose for Newsall's Park stud down the years. They were sad to, to lose their last filly by Galileo, but not at that compensation. Dave, what does this really tell us, if anything, about the industry? Nothing in in real terms. In in terms of the 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 health of the industry and the impact of COVID nineteen. One thing we know, not only in racing but in other industries, that the people who are in the very very highest percentile of wealth, not only are they not really affected by COVID nineteen, but some of them will be considerably richer than Yao as a result of it, won't they? Um, the only people who have taken a hit really would be so that the people who rent properties and there are companies scrabbling around to try and get out of the contracts. Um, so it, the, the, the real barometer is just as we progress down the pyramid, isn't it, in mm. terms of sales and the people who live, I don't mean this in a pejorative way, but live in the real world in terms of money and those who say can't do it this year, had to lay people off, business struggling, unsure what 2021 holds for me, I can't buy a horse this year.
of course, what will happen as we get into books two, three, four, and other sales at, at Goss and elsewhere is that some horses will be available at much cheaper prices than they have been the last couple of yeah. years, which may soften the blow for some owners who want to go around again. But as we know, it's not the cost of buying the horse. It's not the cost. It's not whether you pay thirty grand or fifty grand. It's the cost of keeping the horse absolutely. in training, which is not going to change. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we have to wait for that. One thing that was interesting about this week was the emergence of, of the Bahraini owners mm. uh, in that uh, any sport at the top level, whilst it would be nice, you know, watching the Kentucky Derby, these good old boys who have real human interest backstories, we are dealing with Coolmore or or the royal families of various Middle yeah. Eastern states, uh, which, which, is, which makes it a harder story to sell, but at least it's, it's, another, uh, it's another entrant to the party, hopefully with regard to competition at the highest level, which, which is a good thing. Let's talk about the time form annuals. You mentioned the Chasers and Hurdlers would normally be published on this weekend. Indeed. Uh, the hard copy of the time form annual. I think we've got one or two of them here. We have There's Race one down of here behind this, cage, and, and behind this cage. They're these, they're these weighty tomes and there's something beautiful about their weight Have as well. Have you got 1991's racehorses there? Well, it was a good essay by you in there. Very good. Sally Rouse, the, uh, the ill-fated filly of Jeff Rags, yes. If you are a collector of these, it means you are someone who really, really, really loves horse racing. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't want to be flippant about this because mm. I've worked with people who have put so much time and effort and care uh, into racehorses and chases and hurdlers, and I think it's a real shame. I don't know what the financial uh, mechanism of it is, Nick. I know that they're extremely expensive to produce, and that's that's uh, reflected in the cover price. Um, it is, to a large extent, a you know a reflection of what's going on mm. elsewhere, in that things are going out of print and onto digital, uh, but. It's a, it, it, personally, I, I think it's a, a, a really sad day. Simon Rowlands, a, a former colleague uh, at Timeform, I, 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 I made rather a flippant uh, reply to a tweet of his that he said part of him had died yesterday, and I put some Viagra tablets on uh, Twitter, which I shouldn't have done. But that, that doesn't <laughs> hide the fact that it, it, is a, it is a regretful day for anyone who's been involved with those, anyone who's been involved with the production, anyone who loves buying and reading them and digesting uh, them. It's, it's a real shame. The only thing that confused me was I, I read the quote which said that they would find some, in, or innovation would find a way of replacing this. But what, what, can they just not publish this like for like on digitally? I, I, well, but is it, no, it doesn't sound like it is going to be published like for like digitally. What's beautiful about this is it's every horse with an essay on yeah, every yeah. horse, either yeah. a small or large essay. If they're if they're a horse of note, but they, th am I am I wrong in thinking that that they haven't given the alternative yet? No, Have it's they not just clear. Not, yeah, so I don't know. The thing is, like, if if you produce it on, uh, if you produce it digitally, obviously you, you've still got huge production costs, haven't you? Except the except for what you're holding in your hand. I, I've just, I'm laughing because I've just chanced upon... Do you remember Marahel, who was a really good horse? He won three Huxley stakes at Chester. Hamdan horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I do, yeah. <laughs> He'd passed his best at this point and uh, was a bit of a blink advisor, increasingly suspect temperament, sold and to stand at stud in Trinidad and Tobago. That was that for 
half of poor old Marahel. Uh, Pinatubo won't be standing at stud in Trinidad and Tobago. He'll be standing at stud in Newmarket, I'd imagine, at, uh, at Dalham Hall for, for Sheikh Mohammed and, and for Godolphin, because he has had a, a, a good, a very good career. He was a brilliant juvenile. Timeform rated him one of the best juveniles of the, of the modern era. And uh, when I was talking to William Buick yesterday, there's a sense of unfinished business, really, with Pinatubo. I'm sad that he couldn't have one, on, one or two more darts at winning a mile group one as an older horse. Yeah, I mean, the thing, very much a sense of unfinished business with Pinatubo, because even from, well, virtually after the Guineas, when there were two things, like for this completely dominant juvenile, and obviously it's a timely reminder to look at our two-year-old races and think, right, well, they might be champions at two, but wait until uh, what, we see what happens at three. Um, that after the Guineas... Two things started in or two schools of thought about Pinatubo. Obviously, no longer dominant. Mm -hmm. He may have been junior Wimbledon winner without dropping a set, but yeah. things were clearly much tougher in the senior grade. And secondly, slightly suspect stamina at a mile, or, or suspect stamina at a mile. Yeah. So, um, from a very early point, the, there was talk of, of the of the seven furlong races or the easy mile and of course Charlie Appleby always talked about the two-turn mile at Keeneland for the Breeders' Cup which was seemingly the the the, the real target you know Charlie you say I think this is this is tailor-made for this horse so it's very uh, disappointing that we don't get the opportunity to see him uh, taking that target and, and it, it it seems a curious decision because there doesn't seem to be anything wrong with him yeah, I, I, mean, I, I don't see why they couldn't have just taken him to Keeneland. I mean, it's all—it's all that no, no use crying over spilt milk. I suppose, no, but, but. Um, you know, the—they're the, uh, there to race. They, the, the horses entertain us. We look at, as I say, that the whole narrative. I wish I could have thought of a better word about Pinatubo's season after his defeat at Newmarket. Really, was looking forward to the Breeders' Cup, and obviously. Um, He's been retired seemingly without an injury. You said it at the very start, unfinished business. Well, and you rather got that sense from Frankie Dottori when he was talking about Enable after the arc. He hopes that she can have one last go. And we, you know, it's quite clear why he wants her to have one last go. Would you give her one last go, Dave? If, Would I? If you, if you were the man responsible for marshalling the end of Enable's career. Yeah, well, yes, I think I probably would. Um, I'm not quite sure where. Obviously, I mean, John Gosson said... Immediately after the race last year, uh, last week, sorry, that Enable had gone, that with Stradivarius and Enable, they'd gone a long way across the channel for essentially what was little more than an exercise gallop. He said that both horses did not appear to have punished or extended themselves unduly during the race because of the way that it had unfolded and it was obvious that they were unable to produce their best under the pre prevailing conditions. So... The, the option is there. I, I'm not sure uh, if Enable went to America, she may very well lock horns with love, which, and would, which would be what we want to see. It, th they might be minded to think, well, we'd really like to see this great mare, one of the truly great mares of all time, not just modern times, go out on a, on a, with a win. That would be quite difficult in mm. America. Um, Rod Street said earlier in our programme that the Philly and mayor, the Phillies and Mayors stakes is a winnable opportunity. Yeah. Problem, mm. problem with going there is that it's, it's not a race whose standing necessarily befits her, her own. No. Um, and, and if you run there and lose, 
you sure. really do do her reputation. Yeah, you, you do. You but got, I mean, that's a must-win event, isn't it? it if she it, runs it is. It is. But then again, the uh, the flip side of that is to go somewhere that's com- really white hot competitive, run really well, but finish third behind Love and Gayath and. It, that's an honourable defeat, and it's not that you've cast your nets in easy waters, but haven't come home with a, a barrel load of fish. But it's still a defeat. It's a. It's or, a. There's no. Or you can just say she's done enough. Well, yeah, you could say that. Be nice to see her one more time, wouldn't it? She's she's enriched yeah. our lives over uh, the past three and a bit years. Let's talk about. Uh, let's talk about how localized lockdown. It looks as though we're going to get three tiers depending on where you live as to how stringent the lockdown is going to be and how racing can pick its way through this. Now, to what extent does Leicester racing earlier in the season, when there was a localised lockdown on, to what extent does that set a precedent that will enable racing to continue? It sets the bar very high, high, doesn't it? Mm. And, you know, there seems to be a lot of confused or inconsistent thinking with regard to COVID-19 rules but in this sense at least the fact that remember going back a few months where it looked at one point as uh, the first meeting at Leicester was was pretty controversial wasn't it quite a few trainers thought this shouldn't be taking place talked about not just being on the track but also getting fuel in the area and stuff like that Um, and so that sets that sets a a telling precedent with regard to whether race meetings uh, can go ahead. Uh, in a wider sense, does it put the push for crowds slightly more on the on the back burner? Obviously, mm. this week the Racing Post has, has had some good stuff about you know, the inconsistencies, uh, crowds going into the Albert Hall this Christmas, yeah. and yet and yet for for outdoor sports. As yet, nothing. I t- tip my hat to Laura Farris, MP for Newbury, who's been standing up in Parliament and making a very articulate case, not only for horse racing in, in her constituency, but also for opening of theatres and other venues within the, within the um, you know, safety guidelines. Yeah. But she's um, actually got up in Parliament and specifically said, you know, race, racing in my West Berkshire constituency is absolutely crucial to the local economy. Yeah, yeah. Quite. I haven't received a reply to my letter from Oliver Dan, but I'm sure he's a very busy man. But it, but it needs every every member, doesn't it? Now that the government yeah. is engaging, you know, lo- much more locally, it needs every local member to to stand up and and and, and make the case. Indeed, and the BHA, I'm sure, is lobbying very hard. Again, it it it, it chooses not to publish what it does and why, which is fair enough. Uh, on which note, uh, the Levy Development Group is now a, a thing. It's now an official body that will um, instruct the BHA on its behalf. Um, and it's been chaired by Joe Summer smith who's a um, board director of the BHA, uh, to, uh, to get out and, and present to government what, uh, what they want as far as reformation of the levies concerned. Yeah, well, uh, the, um, listening to some of the major players in this earlier in the week, that the, they're looking to increase the levy, I think, the, was the figure about, was it 140 million? Yeah, well, Charlie Parker, the, the yeah. uh, Horseman's Group um, president, um, was of the, of, of the, or chairman, I'm sorry, and president of the ROA, was suggesting that if, if there was a 1% figure of, of, of turnover rather than the gross profits model that currently exists, and you added to that uh, levy captured from bets placed on foreign racing, you might come up with a figure of 
around about 140, 150 million as opposed to the sort of 90 million that you've got now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the uh, they we're trying to uh, or or they are trying to come up with a model that deals with the situation that we've got now. We don't know how long that's going to endure, do we? We we hope that it's not going to be much further than beyond the spring. We hope that it might be shorter than that, but we don't know. Um, but again, the, the this will be the the constituent parts of the industry will talk about the best way forward. And in that sense, I think the BHA we've talked about this uh, off air before. And in that sense, the BHA I suspect is is not in a particularly strong p- position. That the uh, the the Prokush hand is is with the racecourses. <laughs> the Prokush hand. You might have to explain that. Well, the, the, the phrase in. English language, the whip language, hand, the, the, yes. whip hand I, the, the person with the, the upper hand. Yes, I get it. And I substituted. But for those who aren't familiar with your co- constant substituting I, of the word whip, sorry. with prokush, I sorry, think yeah, it, yeah. It, may, it may have to be made uh, may have to be made clear. Um, yes, I think that the, the, there is, however, clearly some degree of unity between the racecourses and the horsemen, which is at least one positive thing. We'll uh, we'll see how that plays out over the next few weeks. Those were this week's talking points.